welcome to Playback Theatre Talks. I am Noah Laibo. In the current episode, I am talking with Igor Dubitov. Igor is a psychologist, a psychodramatist, and a playback trainer from Moscow. He is also a board member of the Center for Playback Theatre. Me and Igor will talk about archetypes and how they are used in playback theatre. Please join us for another playback theatre talk. I guess we can start. <laughs> so, hi. Hi. Nice, nice having you with me today. Thank uh, you for inviting me here. I'm really excited about our talk today because I think it's a very special subject. I'm curious to hear what you're going to have to say about it. So, mm-hmm. we're going to talk about uh, archetypes in, in playback theater and But before we're going to dive into this big topic, I would like to ask you to introduce yourself and to, to share with me um, what led you into play- your journey to playback. Mm. So, please. Oh, well, uh, I'm Igor Lubitov. I'm from mm-hmm. Russia. I'm a psychologist, uh, playback practitioner, playback uh, teacher, accredited trainer. And I'm a part of Russian Playback Theatre School. We are affiliated with CPT. And also I'm volunteering in CPT too. Uh, I'm in Playback Theatre since 2004. And now I'm a teacher. So it started as the first Playback group in Russia. Mm. Our teacher was... uh, Joseph Paradi from Hungary and other teachers and soon we started our first playback theater in Russia. Actually mm-hmm. not the first, not the first because about maybe 30 years ago Russian mm-hmm. person tried to reinvent invent, uh, playback theater. Alexander Shadura his name was. He tried to um, uh, reproduce Moreno's, um, Moreno's theater of spontaneity. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but then playback theater stopped and our playback group was actually the first playback group in, um, playback group in Russia. And that led me to how I... Um, how I joined Playback Theatre. Um, we started all this in psychodramatic community. So I am psychodramatist, a psychodrama therapist. So it was uh, a group of people that practiced in psychodrama? Yes, yes. It was like psychodrama. And our f- person who initiated this educational program uh, was a psychodrama therapist. And all members of this first group Uh, were psychodrama therapists too. 
So in the beginning we uh, looked at playback theater as at uh, theater spontaneity theater of Moreno, mm -hmm. and only then we uh, understood that it's not the same, it's different, and it was a very happy discovery. Mm -hmm. So through the practice, you kind of realized differences between what you've learned before to playback theater. Oh yes, yes, through the practice, and through the contacts with different uh, different practitioners. Uh, also, uh, from my childhood, I loved theater. I tried to do as much theater as I could in in the university, in the school, and in our family. We also did some theatrical things. Mm. Uh, so it was quite natural to go into playback, to dive into playback. So in your family, you also played together? did like artistic things that's that's interesting to hear about it yes we did uh, with my brothers we did some uh, um, improvised um, improvised show mm. for parents for friends for relatives and it was um, it was quite inspired my grand uh, grandfather they say that my grandfather when he was three almost escaped with the circus. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's okay. quite a story. <laughs> yeah, quite a story, indeed. And, uh, then, and then all his life he tried to do theater. He, he wasn't professional, mm. um, but he tried to do theater and he transferred his love to theater um, to us to his grandsons. Mm, wow, you know, it's so interesting that you're mentioning that because we were going to talk about uh, archetypes and all that and it relates to this uh, collect collective subconscious, you know, the, the things that are inside of us that we are even not aware of. And now you're, you're telling me about your grandfather being also an artist and all that. Um, so, so that's interesting, like in relation to our talk today oh, uh, yeah yes for, for me it's absolutely related he wasn't he wasn't a professional artist he was just um, he tried to do theater uh, as much as he could uh, with friends and uh, co-workers etc etc and um, it's also like playback we are not professionals mostly mm -hmm. we are like citizen actors and in in one moment, we start to be an actor, an actress for um, our friends, for our neighbors, for different citizen, citizens, and it's great. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, yeah, definitely. And and I have to say that um, I'm, I'm surprised to hear that playback um, only started in uh, in Russia in 2003. That's that's quite late in relation to to some other countries around around Europe, uh, but now the scene is really developed. Uh, now the scene is really big in Russia. The playback scene in Russia is like um, there's a lot going on and it's very creative. Um, I also had some people coming from Russia to visit my group in Berlin. So mm. so I know it's a very vivid community nowadays. Oh yes. Yes, but I think uh, playback theater is 
very nat- natural thing for Russians, maybe mm. for Russian culture. How come? Mm, how come? Mm, in our culture, we have a lot improv- improvising shows, mm. uh, like mm. for New Year, for Christmas, for Easter, for mm, a lot of for, for a lot of holidays. Oh, interesting! Uh, I I wasn't aware. I actually always had in mind that you know in Russia, Stanislavski came from Russia, of course, and that's mm. less of an improvisational theater. That's more like the the classical theater. But less, I wasn't aware that the improvisational thing was so big in Russia. I, I'm not sure. It's like uh, not not uh, not necessarily improvisation, like um, people theater, like. Mm. Uh, uh, Theater on yarmarks or uh, during holidays, uh, we can we can improvise special shows. Mm. Uh, for example, for Christmas we have a special um, a special uh, moment when uh, people uh, from the same village, a small village, they uh, come to their neighbors and sing and dance and make costumes and ask for some food etc etc uh, so it's uh, like kalatki uh, the name mm. of this uh, this kind of activity so it's kind of show and also we have a show on marketplaces head mm. shows on marketplaces uh, with puppet show or just mm. costume show and it was like improvisation too because uh, it's it not not uh, not only scripted plays but it's also uh, like uh, hot topics, mm-hmm. like what was going on in the community, and it could be introduced on stage. So it's quite natural to do something like this. Uh, it was dangerous. It was dangerous because of it could be it could have like implications because the regime was. Um... Yes, 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 yes. It was dangerous. And also, uh, it was about politics, about regime, it's about power figures, but it's also about uh, uh, religious, because some some of these traditions are not from uh, Christian religions. Uh, a religion, it's from uh, pagan times of Russia. So, uh, and it's a little bit controversial. Ah, okay. So you're talking about the time where during the communistic era of Russia, it was dangerous, like to to engage in so in in those artistic activities that you're describing. Uh, in uh, in Soviet period, it uh, definitely was dangerous. But mm. still, uh, still in the universities, in schools, in um, no in institutes, uh, always there was people. There were people who did the theater. Uh, special moments during the school year. Uh, it's a usual thing. We can do some something like kapusnik. And special special show about what's going on in the community. Mm-hmm. It was censored. Mm-hmm. Certainly, it, it was censored. It, it was um, it was under supervision supervision of power. Certainly, but still, mm-hmm. it was quite quite um, quite interesting. And mm-hmm. before Soviet, during Tsar period of uh, Russia uh, it's also um, it's also was difficult to uh, 
to do some kind these kind of shows to to relate to the community to the hot topics to hot uh, uh, events etc etc but still it existed despite all these difficulties so you're saying like there is something about the russian culture that um, is so strong in relation to this kind of uh, of activities of those improvisational theatrical activities that uh, playback is actually it's all about mm, yes 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 it's also about sharing stories it's also it's also a usual part of uh, russian culture it's good to share stories here yes so the playback is natural yeah well you have also like the best the best author in the world are coming from russia so that's the stories i, I guess uh, so that's another strong point that you have there um, oh thank you thank you for mentioning it uh, so i guess it, it's a nice background and as i said i also see some um, connections to to the topic that we're gonna that we're gonna discuss mm-hmm. uh, which is uh, archetypes and myths and um, I, i would like to ask you if you can explain what is an archetype I think myths are clearer, but archetypes are um, maybe maybe some people know this word, but uh, it's but it's not so clear what does it mean. Some mm. playback groups um, have it um, in their vocabulary, uh, but some don't really pay uh, special attention to that. So if you can please share what is an archetype. And we can move on from there and see how it relates to to playback and so on. Mm-hmm. Well, um, in general, gen- generally, there are two definitions of archetype. First one, very common, uh, related, very commonly related to uh, Carl Jung uh, psychology. Um, the definition of it's a uh, Jung archetype is about structures of collective subconsciousness of collab- uh, and some structures that uh, helps has helped uh, people to overcome chaos some something like this mm-hmm. to, so it, um, it creates some kind of uh, order or it helps the world make sense in a way through mm. archetypes Yes, yes, and create a structure in uh, in psyche um, and uh, create not only structure but also a way of the development. So it's interesting, but still it's it's about uh, something inside our mind. So if we use this kind of archetype, we can analyze what is going on inside the character, inside the teller, inside this uh, inside the person of patient, of client. It's inside. Yes, it's structure. Yes, it's uh, based on collective things, but still it's mostly mostly what's going on inside our our brains, our, yeah. our, our minds. Mm-hmm. And The second, uh, the second definition, it's uh, more cultural. It's archetype, uh, like prototype, like something uh, that exists in the world, in the culture, and uh, set uh, kind of um, models 
of behavior, of story, a model of structure of relationship, and something like this. So it's can, more. Hmm? Um, can you give an example of the the first type of archetype that you mentioned and what you're mentioning in um, now? Uh, for example, first time of archetype, like uh, Carl Jung archetype. You, you know, uh, for example, anima and animals. So respectively, uh, female and male part of um, the soul of female and male respectively. Every male has a female part and we can call it anima and every female has a male part of, of her soul and we can call it animus. And these uh, inner figures can, um, can be shaped in a very different way. So for example, anima could be a witch she could be a very beautiful woman. She could be mm. um, a goddess mm -hmm. and Musa or something else. Mm. Uh, the same, um, the same way we can see, for example, animals in our dreams, like a villain, a devil, a lover, a king, and something like this. It's mm -hmm. different, different shapes of this kind of archetype, but still it's inside. And this is the first example. We have different, different archetypes in Jung psychology. We can uh, see shadow, we can see self, we can see the center of everything and it will be archetypes. Uh, the second, uh, more cultural, more related to to the uh, stories that circulate in our culture. For example, we can see um, an archetype of travel and a lot of story um, are related to this archetype. It's about travel from Lord of the Ring to, um, I don't know, Star Wars. Mm -hmm. So this journey, journey this travel, journey, uh, yes, that journey, is, journey, keep journey. repeating, keep repeating in different stories and so yes. on. And journey, or for example, the hell, for mm -hmm. example, the hell, the abyss. In different stories, we can uh, we can see something like like underworld, and usually it's dangerous. It's dangerous and uh, not. Uh, not uh, absolutely not um, sacred, but mm -hmm. in different stories, it's also sacred. Uh, and uh, this way, we come to a more uh, more general archetypes like up and down, forward mm -hmm. and backward. So uh, directions. Where sky. like forward associates with something positive. Um, and backward associated with something negative? For example, but not, not necessary. Uh, sometimes forward is uh, about future and backward about the past. It's not necessary negative and positive. Mm -hmm. course, it's yeah. related to the time. And, and we have different... Uh, this is, this is the, the main and the most amazing for me... Mm, mm, property of archetypes. 
archetype itself, they are not visible. They are just like vessels, and they can, we can feel these vessels with different uh, stories, different ideas, different images, different feelings. And that way we can see them, we can, we can interact with them, so we can feel them. And the same archetype can be represented in the story or on stage in very, very different ways. Maybe it's also worth mentioning, you did mention the um, collective subconscious, which uh, also relates to archetype and um, I think can also be relevant uh, relevant to our talk because um, according to Jung theory, um, there is this collective subconscious that contains things, very ancient things that we didn't necessarily experience or something like that, but it's still there. It still influences our psyche. I mean, I, I'm not sure I uh, explained that very well, but uh, this is how I understand this this term. Oh, yes, yes, uh, sure. You are absolutely right. In Jung conception, in, in Jung concept, it's like this. Uh, still, it's uh, Jung idea to introduce collective subconsciousness. I think of archetypes more in cultural way. Archetype exists not in uh, in in the way I try to inter interpret this idea. They mm -hmm. exist not in collective subconscious, but also in collective subconscious too. If we are thinking about psychology, but we can think about culture. Yes, they exist in cultures. Link one culture to other other cultures. We link one story to millions of stories. Mm -hmm. Because in every story we have a hero, and when we say a hero, or if we say once upon a time, mm -hmm. this once upon a time relate our story that uh, only now begins, relate our story with a lot of different stories that mm -hmm. came to our mind. So it's cross-cultural. Uh, it's if you're gonna. I guess it's also um, it's also connected to the fact that there are things that uh, you can recognize in different cultures um, that are there, that are present, even though you can't recognize the connection between those cultures, but you can still recognize uh, elements that are repeating themse themselves in, in different cultures. Mm. Yes, yes, and different mm -hmm. cultures on different levels, because we have different levels of culture. We have a culture uh, in general, like human culture. We are all humans. Then our national or local culture, mm -hmm. uh, as Russians, uh, Germans, uh, Americans, etc., etc. We have our, uh, our national cultures. So mm -hmm. we have a culture of this particular city, or maybe this particular region. Mm -hmm. And we have a culture of our families. They are smaller, mm -hmm. like we can say, but uh, they are very strong. We have yeah. a, we have a culture uh, of subcultures, for some some smaller cultures of groups that we belong to. For example, mm -hmm. culture of uh, playback community. It's very special. 
We have mm-hmm. our own language, we have our own images, we have our own figures, important figures, or our stories. It's mm-hmm. also a subculture. Or maybe um, hippie. Mm-hmm. Or, I don't know. It's also subcultures. And archetypes reveals reveal the uh, reveal themselves in these uh, cultures too it helps us to um, to be related to every story um, to any story to any mm-hmm. story told on the playback show for example we can see this archetypical structure now you're starting connecting us uh, more and more to 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 playback mm-hmm. um, and I, I'm, I would like to, to ask you now, why, why should we, and you started already saying that, but um, if you can say a bit more about why should we as playbookers start thinking this way and start thinking more about archetypes and, um, and use this kind of thinking when we're, when we're doing playback. Okay, uh, I, I started to talk about uh, connecting connections between stories I think it's very important because for me playback is all about these connections and then one person is, uh, is telling the story in the audience somebody are searching for the next one so we connect one story to other story and for to all stories in the audience so it's very important and uh, other things is, um, I think is practical uh, our show is not too long. When we enact a story on stage, we have very short time to honor honor the story, to represent it in most beauty in most beautiful way we can. So we need something to create uh, to create a space and the universe for a short time for a short moment. Um, in for five minutes and in uh, several seconds. So we need something to create this, this universe on stage. Uh, we need something from what we can create this universe. And archetypes could be very, very important because archetype uh, archetypes uh, provide us a structure. Archetypes do not exist, I think. Uh, as, a, as a solo thing, we always exist exist in structure. If we have up, we have a down. If we have forward, we have a backward. If we have male, we have a female in the, at the moment. So if we introduce something like this on stage, we can introduce other part of the universe. So this is very important. If we just say up there in the sky, this beautiful sky over me, I can see stars. It means I am staying on something. I have something under me. And it also can provide a space where the story is developing, where mm-hmm. the story is unfolding. So, so what you're saying that it helps to kind of show contrast uh, in a way. If there's one thing, there's always like the opposite of this 
thing that, as you said, we can talk about up and disregard the down. So this is one way. Yes, it could be about contrast, mm-hmm. but it could be about different voices from different mm-hmm. directions. If we say about up, we can hear only voices from the up. Mm-hmm. But if we use archetype, if we say up, immediately we invite voices from down too. So it's like honoring everything in the universe in one story. So it helps the playback actor or actress uh, mm-hmm. in, in that sense of uh, maybe expanding the way that they are relating to the story, uh, if I understand what you're saying correctly. So that's, uh, that's one way. But I also think, it, it, yeah, when hearing the story, you were mentioning that you want to mention something practical. So I'm thinking if you hear the story and you're... Um, and you're already oriented to think of archetypes, then that can make your work as a playback actor or actress richer and more profound in a way. Yes, agree. Absolutely agree. Uh, because it's very difficult to, um, to enact a mother if you do not have children, grandmother. It's necessary to introduce this line, this stream of life on stage, and it could make the story richer. So having in mind this archetypical level of every character helps actors to be more more present in the moment. Also, if they're connecting to their own to to their archetypes inside of themselves in a yes. way yes yes it's it's also helps it also helps uh, because we are even if someone didn't experience motherhood in the um, common way we all are very much familiar with the archety- with the archetype of the mother and we all carry that with us in a way mm-hmm. yes and also uh, for example, I uh, never been a mother. It's not possible for me as a male. But I have my own relations relations with my mother. And if I have an access to the son archetype, in the in the same moment, I am relating to the mother archetype, and mm. that way I can enact it on stage. We are we are all children of a, mm. of mother. Yes, yes. Uh, the idea uh, that archetype can relate us to different archetypes is also important. Maybe you can give an example of um, from maybe from from your experience as a playback conductor, actor, or what, or from thing that you have seen in performances of um, how to use this kind of archetypal thinking, if I can call it this way, mm-hmm. um, when you're oriented towards um, thinking about uh, archetype and, and using this. Can you maybe share something from your experience? Mm. Uh, for example, just imagine we have a story about a girl who is not happy 
with her relations with her friend and she's she's trying to escape these relations and it's a very long story it was a very long story and with a lot of um, small yeah. things inside so that yeah. was a story you heard as a conductor in a, yeah, uh, in I, a performance I, I, I was on stage ah you were acting yes i, I uh, we should act as a story a lot a lot of small things a lot of events a lot of situations and uh, it was so so actually I, it, it was boring was boring yeah it sounds a bit exhausting a lot of details yeah, and uh, a lot of details a lot mm-hmm. of details it was it, it was exhausting and not clear at all what is going on so many so many details and when we start to enact it it was like we were lost mm-hmm. in all this uh in all these waves of story yeah it's very familiar i guess to any every any playbacker know the feeling when you hear a story and you're bombarded with details and you and it's really confusing it can get you really disoriented we wanted to do our best as uh playback actors as playback persons we wanted to uh honor the story mm-hmm. but it was too difficult what should we what should we bring on stage then one member of our company he came forward and started to to tell a fairy tale started with once upon a time and everything changed in the moment and he told a story about a girl who lost in the wood who were lost in the wood and it changed in the moment every details started to make sense for us like these branches of this wood like trees like stones like small roads and a girl standing in the middle of all this dangerous or just chaotic wood and he created a space where the teller actor could enact the essence of the story and it was very good for the audience and the too. so we brought this uh, archetype of being lost in the wood trying to find a way yeah that's a very strong archetype being lost in the woods Mm-hmm. <laughs> it comes in, in in many fairy tales you've mentioned that he also used this um, kind of fairy tale way to to tell the story which mm-hmm. also connects to archetypes and myths and all that um, yes yeah so that's a very strong image to to work with and mm-hmm. uh, and you're saying that that was something that was the teller could relate to yes yes mm-hmm. it, 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 it was good for uh, for actors and for audience, the audience too i also think that this choice of like um taking a story that is kind of all over the place and structuring it like saying what's up all the time and put it into like a story kind of frame kind mm-hmm. of contains it in a way that okay now we can we can do something with that 
because mm-hmm. uh, it sounds like it was a story that was very, as I said, it was all over the place. It uh, And it happens a lot in playback when we were getting those kind of stories. So I think that's a beautiful technique, what you just uh, mentioned, uh, in making a story into into a fairy tale story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Actually, uh, actually, we didn't make the story into a fa- uh, into fairy tale story we just introduced the archetype of fairy tale the story just introduced it was a short intervention inter- intervention of the actor just a monologue mm-hmm. and then we continue but after this monologue uh, we could feel this uh, space this uh, intervened uh, branches and not clear leaves and no lights and etc etc and the atmosphere was created so and this provides a structure for all enactment so you went you mentioned this i i will call it now for the the sake of our of our talk i will call it a technique so mm-hmm. a kind of a technique of um going on stage and saying once upon a time and and connecting this archetype in this kind of uh, fairy tale manner mm-hmm. um yes. i i would like to ask you if the, if you know of uh, more forms or techniques that um that can help us as playbackers to work with archetypes or to encourage us to um to think in this way Mm. There are forms in playback theater, there are forms that can be naturally shaped in mm, archetype forms. For example, narrative V form. Mm, one actor tells a story about the teller story, something. It's naturally mm, shaped the way we can relate to archetype. If I stay on stage, I can try to feel what kind of stories come in my mind now, what kind of stories from my culture, from different cultures. This way I can invoke the archetype and then I can start to tell a story and my fellow actors can help me, can help me just repeating my movements. For example, so- um, maybe just for those that um, are less familiar, so there's um, usually four actors in narrative V or? Um... Maybe four, maybe five, mm-hmm. maybe three, but they stay in V form on stage. One actor is uh, stays stepping forward and other create this V, so we shape it form stage. And, when, and the first actor, uh, he or she is telling the story from the third person perspective and other actors just repeat the movements of the first actor. So first actor telling the story and um, creates some movements. And it could be um, if we just retell the story of the teller, it could be uh, not interesting. If mm-hmm. we create a story as metaphor, it's also not necessarily interesting. But if we invite archetypical stories, just in the way we are open, not trying to create in our mind what this story is 
assembling tool. What metaphor could we use? It's um, not necessarily will work, but if we ask ourselves, what story could it be, and start to retell it, mm -hmm. almost, almost always it will work. Okay, to think of kind of a parallel story that holds yes. an archetype. Mm, yes, interesting. It's, it's not necessarily parallel, uh, but we can try to mm, we can try uh, it's con connected story. Connected, yeah. Connected, mm -hmm. not not yeah. parallel. Connected. Not, yeah. So narrative V, yeah, that's one way. You also wrote about it, actually. You wrote an article that was uh, published in the um, IPTN journal, right? about mm -hmm. different forms that are related to to archetype myth and fairy tales oh yes um it's about forms but also mm -hmm. it's uh, inner work of the actor too mm -hmm. when on stage um, i um, i try to enact a part of the story a teller or some person from the story of the teller in story form, in free form. Mm -hmm. I should uh, I should find my feelings from mm -hmm. something, and mm -hmm. there are different different uh, different sources for these feelings that I that I will enact and give to the audience and to the teller back. Mm -hmm. And one is my own experience. It's okay. It's Stanislavski way. Mm, also, mm -hmm. I have my partners on stage. They give me some offering mm -hmm. and I can react. This is also okay. I can uh, find my feelings uh, from in the story itself. I have a story in my mind when I enact. Mm -hmm. It's also okay. I, I So it's also I can find feelings, but but maybe it's not enough mm -hmm. i can think uh not think i can relate the story and myself in this moment of the story to the all different stories that i um that i can reach now this is archetypical way mm -hmm. yeah i think it really deepens the story when we're trying to to bring this deeper layer because there are different layers we can work with the story. We can stay in a very realistic layer and, you know, and repeat the story just as it was told, basically, to repeat um, the actions. And, but, there are, but we can uh, deepen those layers and go uh, and peel off one layer and one after another. And I think the deepest layer is um, using this kind of universal archetypes and myths and all that. And I think it, it's very special. It gives a very special effect also to the teller to 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 see his story or her story represented in in that way. Mm. Yes, yes. And the interesting thing here that we not necessarily should not necessarily should represent archetypes on stage um, explicitly. Uh, for example, we can just reenact re the story as it was told to us in a realistic way. Mm. But if uh, the actors uh, try to connect to archetypes at the moment of enactment, they uh, 
this realistic could be more interesting. Something so you could also co combine it uh, if you're making a choice to kind of like do the scene uh, in a realistic way, uh, you can still integrate archetypes in the enactment. Yes, yes. You can mm -hmm. still, uh, archetypes could be still here and it, it could shape our feelings in the enactment. It could shape our enactment, the style of our enactment, and also could shape the stage itself. Because if, um, if I'm a mother on stage, somehow I'm here to, to do what? If I, but if I relate to archetype of mother, I can be dangerous and generous and I don't know what, but it's definitely will be related to the life. Do you recognize um, archetypes that are keep coming back like more often? Um, because I guess that uh, since you're interested in the topic, then you probably pay attention to, to those kind of things. So I am curious to hear if you if you notice archetypes that are keep coming back when you're listening to tellers in uh, um, um, sharing their stories and playback. Mm. Mm. I think in different uh, in different times, different different periods, it could be different. Now we have this COVID story. Outside. Yes, so that, that's interesting that you're mentioning that because I was curious if what archetypes are present in, in this time mm. where we are facing this unknown entity that is attacking humanity. Um, actually, I can mention chaos. Chaos. Chaos, yes. Mm. Chaos that attack the order, mm -hmm. the attack, the structure, attacks the structure, and also death. Death. Mm. Death. It's also here. We, we don't want to look at, but it's still here. Mm -hmm. And a very important contact relation, something like this. Uh, because a lot of stories about losing contact and uh, trying to find the contact now. And also illusions, some illusions. We did a performance about uh, different illusions that we have and that now maybe we can look at to be more present. And it could be very common illusions like I am omnipotent, I know everything, I will never die, they are very strong, but if we look at it, we can be more sad, but more present. That's, uh, this is definitely there. And in the, in the beginning of this COVID story, the archetype of the end of the world was very uh, strong. The end of the road. Uh -huh. The end of the world. Of the world. Okay. Yes, the end of the world. <laughs> the end of the road. Now it's the end of the road. <laughs> yeah. 
But, but you know, it was apocalyptic. Apocalyptic. you think it, yeah, you think it was only something that was uh, related to the beginning of the crisis. I, I can still sense the this feeling. I, I can I can tell you it's present in in my life the, this feeling of the end of the world. I'm not sure where. <laughs> I don't know in what in what stage we are. You know, like because we we have no idea like uh, how long it's gonna last. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. And we have a lot of stories about the end of the world. Mm -hmm. Can you maybe share something or that you, <laughs> if, you, if you feel comfortable? Uh, mm. uh, I'm not sure. Just can we have a very big, uh, a, a, a very big menu, a mm. lot of a lot of variations what we can do now after mm. the end of the world. It could be the end. Yes. It could be the beginning of the next uh, next circle. It could mm -hmm. be the beginning of something absolutely new. It could mm -hmm. be transition into a different world. It could be it could be a moment when we can create a new world. We have a lot of stories. So if I'm I'm going to a performance and I'm sitting on the teller chair and I'm telling you, I feel that this is the end of the world. Like this is the feeling present in, inside me. How can you, what can you do with that as a playback actor? How how would you work with that? Uh, maybe. Because after you recognize, you recognize the archetype. Okay, but now how do you, how do you translate it into stage, into the stage? What do you? I think if somebody uh, says, I feel like it's the end of the world, uh, this person will in this person in, the, in this moment this person invites the archetype into the show mm -hmm. in a very direct way mm -hmm. so we cannot ignore it first we cannot ignore uh, and this is the uh, task for for the conductor to ask the audience what mm -hmm. kind of world mm -hmm. is ending now mm -hmm. what we are doing here who are you in at this moment? This is way. Uh, this is way we can in, enlarge our contact with this archetype mm -hmm. uh, because because it, it's very strong moment. Mm -hmm. So you're saying the conductor sh uh, should relate to that, sh should work with that, with this archetype that this teller is now placed for us. Yes, I, I think mm. this is a conductor task first of all, and. Uh, if uh, we are on stage, if, if I would be on stage in this moment, it's also the moment I cannot ignore this, uh, uh, this wor uh, these words of the teller. Maybe I will introduce, uh, will be I incorporate this in my uh, enactment. Maybe I will say on stage, this is the end of the world. Uh, maybe if I would be conductor, I would say, this is the end of the world. Let's watch. It could be the beginning of a beautiful story. Um, wow, that would be interesting to watch uh, <laughs> this kind of uh, enactment about the end of the world. You know, I'm really <laughs> I'm thinking about it now. Something with this kind of title. That's so... Uh, um, I, I have another question that I was thinking about. 
because we were saying basically that uh, archetypes are a way for us to to connect to stories kind of cross cultural uh, different cultures and um so I can hear a story of someone and I can recognize um an archetype that um, this person, even if he's coming from a total different background than, than I am, this archetype is present and I can recognize that and it relates to this person's story. But I'm thinking also that maybe there are also um, cultural differences because, you know, like in my last talk, I was talking to Ernie Gruner, mm-hmm. a musician from Australia, and he said that... Um, some kind of music might sound to someone from a Western culture. You, you can um, hear that as a, something that is sad or happy. I don't remember his exact um, example, but for someone from a different culture that can, um, he could listen to the same music and has have a totally different interpretation. And I'm curious to hear what about archetypes in in that regard. Mm, Yes, there is a danger indeed here. I can assume that something that for me represent, I don't know, maybe for me the moon means one thing, but for someone from a different culture it can mean something else. Yes. And I think it's not about representing something. Mm-hmm. It's about providing a structure. If I have a moon, I also have a sky. Mm-hmm. I also have an earth. I also have a sun, maybe. I tried, mm-hmm. I would try to hear what else there is in the story. Because we cannot use only one archetype. If we try to do it, we will lost the beauty of the story. We just uh, will try to shape the story into our culture, reshape it. But we try to hear what else exists in the story. It's not easy and we can fail. We usually can fail. But if we know that we can fail, we can feel the awe, we can feel the fear before this archetype, this uh, actually, archetype leads us to sacred things, and if we act with this kind of uncertainty, uh, with this kind of fear before, not not fear, it's just fascinating. It's uh, looking at the beautiful thing that is much more bigger than we are. In this way, we can honor the story, even if we do not know all cultural background, but oh, it's something very big. I don't know what it is, but it's so interesting. Mm-hmm. Let's watch. So may- maybe this is a way of using archetype in this kind of uh, situation. Yeah, it's a very interesting topic, archetypes. Mm-hmm. And and this is something that you're you've been doing you've been researching this kind of um, work for for a while I, I understand mm-hmm. right yes yes this is my point of interest 
and you also offered, I also mentioned that to you when we talked uh, earlier, that I really wanted to join. You offered the workshop in the last online conference that we just had a couple of months ago mm-hmm. about uh, cliches and how to work with cliches. Mm. And I see also the relation of cliches um, to archetypes, those mm. kind of things, uh, signals, I don't know, that represent something that is so obvious. And usually we tend to kind of push it away. We're saying, oh, it's a cliche. We don't want to <laughs> like, uh, um, we're trying to be original and, you know, uh, and all that. So I was curious to hear a little bit, uh, if you can say a few words about uh, about this uh, workshop, about cliches, just because it, um, I feel it also connects to what we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, the main idea was um, when we use cliche, we are approaching to something not very safe. Mm-hmm. Because... Uh, when we use cliche, we are in the safe zone. We know how to use it. We know how people will understand it. It's boring, but it's safe. Mm-hmm. But the moment when we try to use cliche itself, it's the moment when something is going on right now. We don't want to look at it. We just use cliche just to protect ourselves or maybe our audience or maybe teller or maybe I don't know what. We're using cliche. Oh, let's, let's keep it. Let's keep, let's keep, let's keep. So when, when an actor or an actress are choosing to use cliche, something that is banal and that is like um, everyone knows, it's a way of protecting themselves or the audience or the teller. They're just um, taking like a safe position. Basically. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, to keep something important. But the cliche is a signal that is something is going on. So a signal, let's stop at this moment. It's a signal for for who? For who? the for the actor first first of all. For the actor. If I am find that I'm using cliche, I should say thank you, my dear cliche. Thank mm-hmm. you. You're showing me the moment. Yeah, so you're saying instead of rejecting the cliché and saying, oh my God, I'm using clichés, that's horrible, I'm like, that's the worst mistake, you're saying, no, we have to treasure it, we have to say, oh, thank you for for being here. Yes, thank you, Uh you are showing me something important. I I will stop with this cliché, I will continue to do it Mm -hmm. more and more and more and more, and from this more and more and more, we will find something beautiful. Because so this we, is the moment. So we are actually, you're saying, you're encouraging people to exaggerate the cliché? Sometimes it will work. But mm-hmm. first of all, not to skip the moment of cliché, but stay at the moment. Mm-hmm. So this is a very, very precious, precious signal, precious compass. Um, I, I have to say I really like this kind of thinking because <laughs> I, I like this kind of... Um, I like when um, to offer actors the possibility to go with something and not to reject something mm-hmm. and not to push away. This kind of logic is uh, really healthy, I think, and can really uh, produce very uh, an open, very creative 
possibilities. Yes, yes, uh, I agree, absolutely agree. And uh, uh, about connecting connection with archetype topic, um, actually, most of the cliché are cultural. They're from culture. The way how kids use uh, their gesture and uh, uh, introduce it into their play is from culture. Uh, also, some cliché are from just uh, oh, we all know what it is. Let's let's do it. Uh, so we can through this moment, through this cultural cultural uh, moments that show us show us archetypical moment. We can relate to this other part of the culture, other cultures, etc., etc. So it could be um, it could be a moment to contact contact with archetypes too. So it's an opportunity to kind of uh, connect with something that is uh, deeper, basically. Yes, this is because mm. cliché are cultural. So you're saying from something that looks on the surface, it looks superficial and it looks like banal and all that. You're saying, no, we can actually from this, we can dig something that is precious, something that is uh, if, if we're not like... Uh, shying away from it if we're not rejecting it and thinking oh my god i'm doing a cliche i better move on to something more interesting or mm-hmm. yeah. yes so i wish we'll have uh, another chance and i will be able to v- visit one of your uh, workshops um, you're welcome and uh, yeah it was a great pleasure talking to you, Thank you. About this about Thank this topic um, is there anything else you want to add? Maybe something I haven't asked you or something that is important to you to say, to mention? Mm, actually, I am not sure. You asked me so many questions. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. So it was so rich and so helpful. So mm. I just say uh, thank you very much for inviting me and helping me to uh, tell all these stories <laughs> about mm. archetypes. Yeah, it was my pleasure. And I hope people, after listening to us, uh, will be able to incorporate some of the things that you were mentioning here and to see the beauty that um, could be available to them when working in this way and and thinking and um, combining myths and archetypes and fairy tales into their work as playbackers. I hope it will work and it will help. I will be happy to continue this conversation if somebody will will want to. I'm available yeah. for this kind of conversations. Great. I hope people will uh, will take the invitation. So <laughs> thank you. Thank you very much. And it was great connecting to you. You're in Moscow. I'm I'm in Berlin. It's nice that we have this opportunity to to talk in in these times. I I'm curious just. Uh, What's going on right now in Moscow? I understand you also had some uh, more restrictions lately, right? Uh, yes, uh, actually, uh, we don't know what is going on here. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm, a lot of confusion now. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. we try, uh, my friends and me personally, we, we are trying to follow the restrictions because I think it's necessary. Some people don't think so and for me it's dangerous mm-hmm. and i hope we'll overcome all this i hope so too thank you so much for this talk 
thank you so much for listening. Please check out our previous episodes. And please share this episode with others. Thank you.